Hello, I am Andy Ward. This、uh, horror story that I have written for the twenty-second of September, two thousand and ten. This is entitled "A Fistful of Mints." Is this it? Asked Brian. Harold nodded. This seemed to be the tomb they were looking for. Brian and Harold had travelled hundreds of miles and spent thousands of pounds travelling to Egypt or wherever to find this tomb. It had been a dream of theirs since they were both undergraduate students at the famed University of the, an establishment world renowned for continually producing world-class archaeologists. That was forty years ago. Now they had both moved on. Brian was a professor at Harvard, whilst Harold too found himself in a position of archaeological authority, being chairman of the International Trowel Association. Throughout this time, Brian and Harold had seen little of each other, but remained friends. They wished each other a happy birthday on Facebook once a year, and occasionally accidentally clicked like on each other's statuses when their fingers sort of slipped. This was of particular embarrassment to Harold when Brian posted a status about the death of his mother. Harold had apologised profusely to Brian for this mistake, who accepted that it was just an accident, and the two had remained friends. Today, they were two friends who were finally about to achieve their dream together. Shall we go in? said Harold, smiling at Brian. I think so, replied Brian. Harold fired up his wind-up torch and walked into the darkness. Brian and Harold walked what seemed like two hundred and fifty yards before they came across the room. It was full of gold and stuff, the kind of things that would fetch a really high price on the antiques roadshow. Brian gasped. These are exactly the kind of things that would fetch a really high price on the antiques roadshow, he said, and he was right. They were exactly the kind of things that would fetch a really high price on the antiques roadshow. Harold chuckled gently to himself in delight. In that case, perhaps we should go to the antiques roadshow, he said, smiling at Brian. Yes, perhaps we should. Just imagine what kind of a price we could fetch for all this," replied Brian. Harold did imagine it would probably be a really high price, but there was no time for that now. Harold picked up a cup. We did it, Brian. We finally found the treasure of the third. How does it feel? Good, Harold. Good indeed," whispered Brian quietly to himself. It's such a shame that you'll never get to see it on the antiques roadshow. What do you mean? said Harold, confused. I'm sorry, Harold," said Brian as he withdrew a pistol from his corduroy trousers and raised it at Harold. But Brian, I thought we were friends," protested Harold. We were Harold until that fateful day when you liked my status," replied Brian. How many times do I have to apologise? That my finger slipped. I didn't mean to click like," said Harold. "Fair enough," said Brian, "but that doesn't explain why you also posted a comment saying Roffel. That was an accident too. I was drunk. I thought the status was ironic," said Harold. "Perhaps, but did you really have to add a link to a lolcat too? My mother had died, Harold. You knew she could not has cheeseburgers," screamed Brian. Okay, that's a bit harder to explain," said Harold resignedly. "Goodbye," Harold said. Brian finally, as he took aim at Harold's head and pulled the trigger. A year later, Brian found himself sat in a local village hall, surrounded by TV cameras. 
On the table was a golden chalice he had retrieved from the tomb, which the expert was now appraising. So tell me, Brian, how much do you think this would be worth, he said. Oh, I don't know, I've never really thought about it, said Brian. Well, let me tell you, Brian, this is worth a very high price, said the expert. I would estimate thirty or forty zillion pounds. Everybody gasped. Brian smiled. He'd expected as much. As soon as the cameras were off, he picked up his chalice, shook Michael Aspel's hand and headed off into the car park, where his car was parked. No sooner had he got into his car than his phone began to ring. He checked the screen, but there was no number. He answered the phone. Hello, he said. Hello, brain, replied a raspy voice at the other end. My name is Brian, replied Brian. I know, I just misread my line, sorry, rasped the stranger. Who is this, said Brian, confused by the whole shebang, as well as the fact that he had utilised the word shebang, a word that he had never used before in his life. Don't you remember me, Brian, or has all the money made you forget, snarled the voice. A chill spread across Brian as the realisation hit him. Is this Michael Aspel? stammered Brian. No, why would Michael Aspel be calling you? Have you ever met Michael Aspel? said the voice, slightly annoyed. I met him about five minutes ago, said Brian. Oh, really? What was he like? said the stranger. He was quite nice, actually. Very friendly and polite. We had a nice chat. What did you chat about? asked the voice. Well, it turns out that he's originally from Battersea, which is where my grandfather was from, so he got chatting about that for a bit, said Brian. Had he ever been to Price's Candles on York Road? rasped the voice again. I didn't ask. What's Price's Candles? asked Brian. It was once one of the largest candle manufacturers in the UK, but now it's been converted into residential flats, snarled the voice. No oh, right, well that's kind of interesting, said Brian. This has gone completely off topic. I've forgotten why I called now, you old fool, said the voice. So if you're not Michael Aspel, then who are you, said Brian. Oh yeah, that's right, now I remember. I called to be deliberately ambiguous and threatening, said the voice as it cleared its throat. My name is Harold. Another chill spread across Brian's body. He found himself paralysed with fear. Surely it couldn't be. He found himself stammering into the phone. Harold from Neighbours, he asked nervously. No, not Harold from Neighbours, screamed the voice. Harold, you remember? Archaeologist buddy, you shot me in the head. All right, that Harold, said Brian, relieved that another day was seemingly going to pass without him having to confront his mortal fear of tubers. But wait, aren't you dead, he added. That's precisely why this conversation should be so chilling, protested Harold. Anyway, I just wanted to call to let you know that I'm coming to take what's rightfully mine. I shall have my revenge, Brian. Soon I shall have my revenge. Then the line went dead. Brian sat for a moment in his Vauxhall Astra, deep in thought. Surely this was some kind of prank. Harold was definitely dead. He had seen his head explode. He had burned his corpse. He had buried it in the tomb. 
He had then reduced the tomb to rubble. He had removed all trace of the location from Google Maps. There was no way that he could possibly still be alive. He chuckled lightly to himself. Perhaps this was Mike Glasspool playing a cruel trick on him after all. He started his engine and drove home. A few days later, Brian found himself sat in front of the TV, eating some kind of miscellaneous mince-based dish and watching his appearance on the Antiques Roadshow. He chortled to himself as the value of his chalice was revealed. If only they knew that he was now sat drinking Ribena from it. Such was the breadth of valuable items that he owned he could afford to do this. His mansion was decked out in gold and emeralds. As far as the eye could see, which wasn't massively far as corridors tend to operate to relatively strict size parameters, he ingested another mouthful of mints before his beef-based pleasure was interrupted by what sounded like a knocking coming from afar. Brian put the TV on mute. Nothing but silence. How strange, he thought, as he unmuted the TV again. Then, another gentle thud. What the hell was that? He slowly got up out of his seat and made his way through the house. He was alone. It was dark. He switched a lamp on. He was alone. It was light. As he made his way out of whichever room he was originally in and moved towards the front of the house, the thudding grew louder. It was constant, almost like dull footsteps nearby. Suddenly his phone started ringing again. He answered it nervously. Hello, Brian, said the voice. It was Harold. Harold, where are you? asked Brian nervously. I'm nearby, Brian. I'm here for his rightfully mine, said the voice menacingly. Nearby? How nearby? said Brian as he circled around, terrified. Harold laughed. Turn around, Brian. Brian spun around in horror to be confronted with nothing but thin air. I said, turn around, Brian, said Harold again. I did. There's nobody there, said Brian, confused. Really? Then who the hell am I standing behind? I don't know. Why don't you ask them, said Brian, growing increasingly tired of this stupid game. Okay, okay, but hold on there for a second. I'm just going to put the phone down for a second. Wait there. Brian sighed as he waited on the other end of the line in silence for two minutes. Finally, Harold returned. Okay, this is the wrong house. Forget I called, said Harold. Then he hung up. Brian slowly walked back to his plate of mints, muttering to himself as he did. No sooner had he sat down and lifted the fork to his mouth, however, than there was a knock at the door. Brian swore to himself as he stood up and walked across to the entrance. Who the hell would be calling now? He swung the door open in anger and was stunned by what he saw. On the doorstep was standing what looked like the rotting corpse of his old friend Harold. But he was not alone, for in his arms he was cradling a giant brass tuba. Hello, Brian, he said. Brian was paralyzed by his tuba fear. He wanted to run, but he could not. As Harold lifted his mouth to the blowhorn and began to play, the last thing Brian remembered was a sharp pain in his chest before his heart exploded. As he lay on the floor, breathing his final breath, the last thing he saw was Harold looming over him, 
eating his plate of mints. And that's the end for this story. So, uh, bye.